0: And the DLF family of podcasts. That's Tommy B. I'm the SFD. This is the Super Flex Super Show. And here we go with some week three standard operating procedures for your Super Flex leagues. Because, Tommy, I, like, we have been just absolutely deadly accurate with some of this stuff. And uh, like, even though it feels like the deck just kind of got reshuffled a little bit in week two, I still look back on some of the names that we gave for week two's SOPs. And I mean, they just kind of shifted, you know, now they're like, if it was a priority ad now, make sure they're rostered. If it was next week, this week, now you've got to pay up for them on waivers.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, I related almost to when I was snowshoeing in my hometown in Alaska, I started racing uh, on snowshoes one winter, and these were tiny little snowshoes compared to the big ones you might see in a movie, let's say, and you were at danger of falling through if you did not keep your feet moving, and that's exactly how I feel with this season. It feels like we were almost lulled into a sense of complacency with the injuries this off season. And they've come fast and furious, especially at the running back position. I mean, mm-hmm. we've got Monday Night Football going on right now, and there's just this gruesome injury I just saw with Nick Chubb, and it, it looks like we're gonna have to keep churning through these running backs.
0: I didn't even see the in- and they won't show a replay, <laughs> so like I couldn't even tell what actually happened to him. I just, uh, but it sounded like basically his knee, his surgically repaired knee from college just exploded again like uh, that that sucks so bad if you remember that was my pick going into the season to be the running back one overall for the season and I think we just lost him for the year so uh, but uh, first of all to me it's kind of a reminder about what the running back position is And the fact that being excited about a running back going into the season should really mean you're excited about them for the first two to five weeks of the season and then find a way to get excited about somebody else because this is what the running back position does it's constantly churning. And like you said, it's like the snowshoes. You got to keep moving, you got to keep preparing for the next week as if the guys that you have the guys who make you feel comfortable at the position aren't going to be there for, you know, much longer than another week or two. If we get, you know, some of these guys longer than that bonus, but we, we really kind of have to plan for the fact that there's a good chance we're going to lose these guys at some point. Yeah, there's I've also,
1: said this. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, I've said this stat a few different times, and it's that of the top 24 projected running backs each year, about half of them lose four or more games to injury. And this is just Mm -hmm. repeatable year over year. And it's just, it's something that you have to expect and be mentally resilient to. Uh, You have to build out an understanding that I am going to be starting Jerome Ford in one of these weeks, even though. I've pinned my season on Nick Chubb. It's just a reality.
0: Yep, yep, absolutely. And al- along the way, we pick up guys like Kyron Williams. Um, it, I mean, it's because it's not just injuries. I mean, that's that's a big part of it. At running back, it's just a naturally hazardous position to play. Uh, they're basically in a car accident twenty times a game. <laughs> like, um. So there, you know, there's that part of it, but we've also seen that it's not just that it's like reasonably good running backs losing time to, you know, presumably better running backs or equally good running backs in some cases. So, you know, we're seeing Derrick Henry losing touches to Tyje Tyje Spears. Uh, We're seeing, um Cam Akers has just completely been deleted from the L.A. Rant. Like, they they hate him again now. That's how good Kyron Williams is. Like, there's, 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 there are a lot of ways for these guys to lose their jobs, and that's why we got to keep moving forward uh, and stay on top of these standard operating procedures. But the nice thing is, with the injuries, with the benchings, with the, the timeshares breaking out the way they do, we end up with some very, uh, very easily identifiable action items for our standard operating procedures every week. So let's get into those. Make sure they're rostered. Starting with this, Gardner Minshew, who last week we had, I think he, he was next week, this week for us at the time. Um, just because, like it, it, now. Now, I mean, he's going to be a priority ad. Anthony Richardson, likely going to miss at least a game with a concussion. But the reason that we identified Gardner Minshew early was, I mean, Anthony Richardson was injured twice in his first game. And then a third time in the first quarter, well early second quarter of his second game. So we're, we're talking about three injuries in a week and a quarter essentially. <laughs> Like there he's, he's like Mr. Bill or something like just, <laughs> just constantly getting beat up. And, and so like, I, first of all, I think that you want to, I think that you need to handcuff him with Gardner Minshew. And second, this offense is going to look pretty different with Gardner Minshew. And I think it unlocks a lot of fantasy scoring from, a, in a lot of different ways. We'll miss the rushing, of course, from uh, Anthony Richardson, but I think that there are a lot more opportunities for them to move the ball. A lot that we're going to talk about throughout this show, but start with Gardner Minshew. If he's not rostered, I think he's probably your top priority this week. Um, One possible exception we'll get to in a few minutes. Zach Moss is another one. And again, very possible that he's still on waivers. I think that he probably got picked up in a lot of your leagues. Uh, Everybody knowing full well that he was going to be the lead back for the Colts. And now without your quarterback taking away carries, there's a lot more meat on the bone for Zach Moss, justice Hill, make sure he's rostered. Looks like he's it's, it's still a pretty even split with him and Gus Edwards, but Justice Hill, the primary receiving back, and getting a surprising amount of work on early downs and uh, you know goal to go situations as well. Josh Reynolds, um, outside wide receiver for the for the Detroit Lions, two touchdowns this week. Uh, yeah, until Jamison Williams comes back, this is your field stretcher. So the, he's the guy who creates a space for the Amon Ross, St. Brown, Sam Laporta, Jameer Gibbs of the world. So uh, he's, he's a big, um, important part of that offense. Rashad Bateman, a wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, this probably was a little bit predictable. He goes out with an injury, ankle injury. Rashad Bateman was the immediate backup to OBJ. And uh, saw the saw a pretty substantial target share once he got in. And then finally, Zach Ertz, the leading pass catcher in both targets and receptions the last two weeks for the Arizona Cardinals, which is a surprisingly good offense led by Josh Dobbs. So, uh, it, but his, and his favorite target seems to be Zach Ertz. So those are some players to make sure they're rostered. Do we need? Do we need any more analysis on that or should we just jump into the ads? I mean, just real quick,
1: every single one of the players you just named were on next week, this week, at some point in the previous episodes. Mm -hmm. If you want to save fab, I would recommend getting out in front of some of these next week, this week ads that we're discussing now so that you don't have to put in such a big bid uh, in the upcoming weeks.
0: Yep, Exactly. Let's start with the ads, and honestly, I mean, these are these are probably a little out of order. It's based on last week, where did we have them? Like I said, Gardner Minshew most likely is going to be on a lot of waivers and would be a top priority ad this week. Uh, but since we had him as an ad last week, now it's just make sure that he's rostered. Taylor Hinnicky was a next week, this week guy, and so we just moved him to the ad column. Uh, he's probably still going to be available even after your waiver run. But Desmond Ritter looks awful. Like, this is coming to a head very, very soon. Get Taylor Hineke and be prepared to uh, to move on from Desmond Ritter because they've got to be getting close to that point. At running back, Matt Breda. We can also throw in Eric Gray, both of the, the backup running backs, to Saquon Barkley who's dealing with an ankle injury of his own. Uh, Sounds like he won't miss significant time, but as long as he's out, Matt Breda, probably borderline startable. And Eric Gray would be a very uh, speculation ad with the possibility that he ends up taking on that workload. Craig Reynolds as well. David Montgomery also out with an injury and craig reynolds kind of took the, took over the entire workload that david montgomery typically would have taken on and uh, a last second ad for us as we record this in the middle of the monday night games jerome ford cleveland browns nick chubb out with that most likely season ending injury we won't we don't know that as as of this recording but they won't show the replay. <laughs> like that's how messed up this. One. <laughs> that's how, that's how bad that injury was. They won't show it on TV. So it's bad. He's out for a while. Uh, Jerome Ford most likely takes his place. Uh, but we're going to talk a, a little bit more about that in a minute as well. Wide receivers. Jaden Reed, um, talked about him last week, uh, Slowly taking over a, a pretty big share of the Green Bay Packers' offense, got a rushing touchdown this week to go along with his with his target share. Tank Dell, uh, I mean, the big thing was uh, Robert was it Ro- or Noah Brown going out with an injury, um, really kind of opened things up for Tank Dell. But he he made the most of it. And uh, commanded a, a significant target share. And I think you're going to see him on the field a lot more. Kind of regardless of who's available. Marvin Mims, Denver Broncos. Only two catches, but they were both long. A long touchdown pass, 64 yards, I believe. And then a like a 58-yarder, 53-yarder that didn't go for a touchdown. Um, he's also doing punt returns and kick returns. He's, he's becoming a kind of one of the the guys in that offense that keeps it moving forward because Sutton and Judy just don't seem to be very uh uh active participants in that offense and then finally Nick Westbrook Akine kind of ignored him last week even though he had a pretty significant target share for the Tennessee Titans he did he does it again this week though and gets in the end zone again. Like it, at this point, we just have to acknowledge that he's going to be one of their top targets. And at tight end, Kate Otten, Tampa Bay, um, who seems to be the number three option, number four at worst, if you count Rashad White. But Kate Otten, uh, in terms of just in terms of target share, was third behind obviously Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and that offense looks started looking a little bit more explosive uh, basically in the second half of week one on that's been a very, very good offense uh, led by Baker Mayfield and one of his favorite targets is Kate Otten.
1: It certainly surprised me the Buccaneers offense and it really suits the Baker Mayfield persona. This is who he is meant to be, the underdog who is taking a disrespected offense to a level that we're not anticipating. And so I think it's a really cool NFL story. It's a fun fantasy story. And I'm not ready necessarily to move off of some of the other pieces as well, Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. I'm just going to enjoy the ride for a bit longer. Um, But one person I did want to talk about, and really one situation, was the Saquon situation. So the Giants are going to be playing on Thursday night in week three. So quick turnaround. We're not sure who the RB1 is going to be. But unless you need Matt Breida to be an RB2 or RB3, if you have that many starting positions, my preferred move would be to grab Eric Gray on the off chance that he does um, take some of the workload away and show promise as a runner, because that's the type of player that can pull a Kyron Williams that can really start to cement themselves into a backfield. Whereas with Matt Breida, we've, we've kind of seen what he can do, which is something it's useful in a spot start situation. But if you're not going to start him on Thursday night football, don't grab him, grab Eric Gray, the backup.
0: Very good point. Yeah. A lot more upside with Eric Gray. Yeah, that's the theme. I, I I, mean, Matt Breda is the most likely starter, which kind of makes him a little bit of a waiver priority. But I mean, you know, part of our function here is to not only identify the guys that, uh, that you should prioritize, but also to identify the guys that everybody else is going prior- to prioritize that you want to stay away from. We really could have just said fade Matt Breda, (laughs) but I like I other than a best ball league, what like you said, what's the scenario where you're actually starting him? So let everybody else run to waivers and spend a bunch of fab on him. I would say Jerome Ford. Gardner Minshew, if he's available, is probably the top the top priority. I I don't know about that. I'm I'm gonna go with Jerome Ford. I think he's the the number one priority based on what we know right now and I think it's probably around a 30 percent of your starting budget type of move and if you're light on fab let's say you spent
1: heavily on Puka Nakua last week instead of going for Jerome Ford you could put a one dollar bid let's say on a Pierre Strong and just take the worst odds that he takes over the backfield for the Browns so if you're, if you're a little light on fab and you have no chance of, of winning some of these players, you know, your league mates bid up as well.
0: It's an opportunity to grab the number three running back there as well. Yeah, absolutely. We also have a pretty strong list of uh, next week, this week running backs. So um, yeah, it, it might be a good week to just kind of stay out of the, uh, the, you know, the, the high end of the waivers and uh, just wait on some of those guys. Um Jaden Reed probably would be the next, for me, would be the next priority. Uh, Dynasty leagues, a lot of these guys not going to be available for you necessarily, especially deeper leagues. But a uh, couple of those guys, you might get Nick Westbrook-Akine and Kate Otten off off of waivers.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Craig Reynolds, I would imagine, is available in a lot of leagues. Yeah, so. as long as I'm not in them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah is is he your uh tegan quatoriano is that he is Uh, ever (laughs)
1: since um hard knocks he's just such a personable and easy to root for guy and i know that the coaching staff loves him and he yes was the number three running back but this is one of those situations where he was really the backup you know he he was not going to become the pass-catching running back. He was the backup running back. He was the one who's going to tote the rock if there's an injury in front of him, and that's exactly what happened.
0: Yeah. Let's... uh, All right, next week, this week, I just kind of want to... I've been thinking about it. I just kind of want to reorganize some of what we've done. So make sure they're rostered. Let's change it from Gardner Minshew to Josh Dobbs. Make sure Josh Dobbs is rostered. Um, He's got a pretty pretty strong hold on that job for at least two more weeks spoiler alert Um, Mm -hmm. Gardner Minshew I think is your top priority at quarterback and let's move Taylor Haneke to next week this week I think that's a little bit more likely of how this is going to look I kind of think that Taylor Haneke is somebody that you don't even have to put any more than a minimum bid on or just wait for first come first serve free agency to get him um, another guy, and this is going to be more redraft leagues, but Kyler Murray, back to Josh Dobbs. He looked great. Seems like he's got a pretty good hold on that that job, but as you point out here, he can start to play. Uh, he can start uh, practicing this week, I believe, right? Like, he's... Yeah,
1: so he has to wait um, actually two more weeks, but The reason that I put Kyler Murray on this uh, next week, this week list is you can start to play with your roster construction, right? So on Sunday morning, what you can do is you can pick him up. You can drop one of these backups that is a healthy scratch on your roster and you can pick up Kyler Murray because your waivers probably aren't going to run until Tuesday or Wednesday of the following week. And so you just hold him on the off chance that a report comes out that he's feeling good, he's going to be back, you know, week four or week five. And so you've spent $0 to put Kyler Murray on your roster. And then when the next waivers run, let's say next week, um, you're putting in your bid on um, cam makers, let's say, you can just drop Kyler Murray for the week and then you can pick him up, you know, that Sunday and drop a different backup running back. So you hold him on your roster just through uh, when when your roster locks and you wait for the news that he's going to be back. That way you're not putting in a max bid on Kyler Murray. You're just burning the very last spot on your roster when you don't really need it because that's a player you're not going to be starting.
0: Love it. Some running backs for next week, this week. Uh, yeah, so we're just basically getting in on Kyler two weeks early. Yeah, um, where everybody else is going to start getting in a week early. Um, yeah, you you do have to uh, you have to push it a little bit further than everybody else um, for next week, this week to work some running backs, though. Uh, first of all, Zach Evans. So he has been a healthy scratch the last two weeks for the L.A. Rams, even after the report that Cam Akers. Uh, was going to be inactive. And was, uh, uh, and might be on, on the trade block. Kind of seems like he might be on his way out of LA. So Ronnie rivers and Royce Freeman have been the backup running backs to Kyron Williams. I have no reason to believe that anybody on this roster is going to actually come out and replace Kyron Williams. But if he were to get hurt, I kind of think that the first guy they turn to is Zach Evans. Those other two are really kind of there for special teams and, uh, you know, just kind of uh, change of pace, um, give Kyron Williams a breather. But in terms of who do you want to actually carry a significant workload, I kind of think they're going to go with Zach Evans if and when the time comes. Cam Akers just mentioned him. Um, He might have got dropped with this news, but if he gets traded, somewhere else i mean there are a lot of teams looking for some running back help right now cleveland so there are a lot of places that cam Akers could land and uh have an immediate impact ty chandler alexander madison looks awful to me like i mean not not just to me like it just he legitimately just does not look like a particularly explosive player for them. And I just think it's a matter of time. They're, they're working Ty Chandler in more and more. I think at some point, whether even if Madison were to stay healthy, I still think you're going to see Chandler take over this backfield at some point. That's a, that's a take that I've held going back into the way back into the off season. So, uh, Kendra Miller, with Jamal Williams going out with an injury today, Alvin Kamara still has one more game to serve in the suspension. It's basically Tony Jones, and if he can get healthy, Kendra Miller. Uh, those are kind of your options for the New Orleans Saints running game. Kareem Hunt makes it on here. I just dropped Kareem Hunt in a league, but if you think about it, the Nick Chubb just went out. Kareem Hunt, still available. He knows this offense. He knows this system. This could easily be the move that Cleveland makes is to bring him back. Sean Tucker, who has been very, very slowly taking on a workload. Um, Rashad White has, has pretty strong control over that backfield at the moment in Tampa Bay. But Sean Tucker just looks like the better power back, the better early downs back. And certainly if Rashad White were to miss any time with an injury, Sean Tucker takes on a massive workload. And finally Elijah Mitchell. He had he played two snaps in week 1 and couldn't even get on the field in week 2. Kyle Shanahan coming on saying the San Francisco 49ers have got to do a better job with their running back by committee approach. And I mean, part of it is that they're not going to have a choice. If they keep using Christian McCaffrey the way they're using him, you're going to you're you're gonna lose him for at least some period of time. It's an older running back, a lot of usage at this point in his career. At some point, Elijah Mitchell very well ends up with this backfield all to himself. Wide receivers Jalen Tolbert of Dallas looks well it looks to be with Brandon Cook's missing time with an injury, looks to be the second uh wide receiver in that group. Um man, Bryce Young just ripped off a long run. I thought he can't run. What happened to that? <laughs> <laughs> he's been he's looked very, very mobile against a good new New Orleans uh defensive front. Um all right, anyways, yeah, Jalen Tolbert for Dallas. Uh, Michael Gallup is borderline droppable at this point. He's just not even a factor. Zach Paschal for Arizona replaced Michael Wilson as the starter opposite Hollywood Brown, and uh, third most targets on the team behind Ertz and Hollywood. Tight ends, obligatory mention for Tegan Quatoriano. I don't. Uh, I don't think he didn't even record a target this week. So. Um, It's getting easier and easier to acquire my guy. (laughs) And then uh, Kylan Granson from Indianapolis, Jelani Woods out for two more weeks, still on IR. And like we said earlier, Gardner Minshew taking over that starting job means a lot more, uh, a lot more footballs to go around through the air. But the other thing that we're kind of noticing, at least in his first game, for Gardner Minshew he was keeping everything very close to the line of scrimmage it, like uh, uh, Michael Pittman had eight catches for 56 yards <laughs> like that's kind of that's probably the way this offense is going to look and that short yardage that close to the line of scrimmage stuff that's where Kylan Granson is going to live who a lot of names on next week this week how'd I do
1: I think they're all totally valid next week, this week players. And it just speaks to the fact that you need to keep churning the bottom third of your roster, right? Mm -hmm. The ones that I am most interested in are Sean Tucker. Um, I think Chase Edmonds got hurt uh, in week two as well. So this is a very clear number two role for Sean Tucker that could turn into a a number one lead back role for him. Because I watched the game. I watched the condensed game today. And it's just so different watching Sean Tucker play. He, he looks like a complete running back, whereas mm-hmm. Rashad White, it's just I, the stats were good this week, but he was getting exactly what was given to him and no more. So it, it feels inevitable still, despite the good game for White. And I love the Elijah Mitchell. Um, that's, a, that's a dark horse, and people forget just how good he was over the last several years. He was one of those backs that, we were starting whenever healthy um in previous years and i'm ready to fire him up at some point midseason now
0: yeah th- that one to me elijah mitchell and uh kareem hunt are very very high upside plays um elijah mitchell there's a certain amount of floor there as well like it like it has to happen you know yeah. he has to get more involved you can't keep putting that much of a workload on Christian McCaffrey in year, what, six, seven, whatever, uh, six. But, yeah, like, that's it's coming. A workload for Elijah Mitchell is coming. Super friends, Superflex dude here to talk to you about Ticketmaster. More memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you a 360-degree preview of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to represent your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com NFL. All right, some players you can drop. I'm dropping Gerald Everett. He is, it, it, that's a legitimate committee at this point for the LA Chargers. He got less than a 50% snap share. That's all I need to know right there. There's just not enough opportunity for a tight end to score for fantasy purposes. If he's not even on the field, half the time, he's losing way too much work in, uh, a- 11 and 12 personnel, to both Donald Parham and stone smart. And it, it's just, again, it's such an even split between those guys that at this point, I don't want anything to do with any of them. I think that's
1: a great drop. My guy this week, I actually have one of my league mates to thank for this one because he did this, and it caused somebody else to spend almost all of their fab for the season on Juju Smith-Schuster. It's not that I dislike Juju. It's that he blends in very much with 50 other wide receivers. Right. The name cachet is valuable. And so I thought it was a brilliant move by my league mate to just outright drop him and let the Piranhas feast on, what, the wide receiver 45 there's you're not going to miss Juju maybe in one week he'll score a touchdown and like dang I I wish I had him this week but there are 50 other wide receivers who are in the same exact boat
0: yep exactly that's like such a such a sneaky move in fantasy leagues and it's one that not a lot of people are going to have the the stomach for but like the great Paul Charchian always calls it the sabotage drop
1: yeah. basically,
0: like you're dropping players that you know are going to command some fab and get people's attention, so that they're out of the running for the the players that actually matter. Wide receiver is a perfect position to do that, <laughs> because even if you get it wrong, even if you're wrong, you end up being wrong to drop Juju Smith Schuster. What does that actually look like? What does that amount to? Like you're you're still going to be able to replace him somehow.
1: Yeah, he's probably already replaced on your roster by somebody above him in the pecking order. And so he just wasn't going to play for you. He was just a terrible insurance policy. And you've shifted that to a different profile, hopefully at running back or maybe quarterback with Gardner Minshew.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, some players have fade and it's really just kind of based on some boom games here. Um, DeAndre Swift. With Kenny Gainwell coming back from an injury, I, it's just going to muddy the waters. So 170 yards rushing and a touchdown for DeAndre Swift. Monster game, career game. But that's without Kenny Gainwell in the way. Like, And this is an offense that has never just kind of turned it over to one guy when everybody's healthy. And then Garrett Wilson, he got eight targets, but he only got two catches. <laughs> Zach Wilson is just bogging him down. He made his day with a 68-yard touchdown. That's I mean that's not the type of thing that we chase. So, you know, anybody who wants to to buy Garrett Wilson after that game is just failing to recognize it was one splash play that's not going to happen every single week. That's not something that's guaranteed to you. And Zach Wilson otherwise is just kind of tanking his value right now. John, have
1: you ever played, have you ever watched the show deal or no deal? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a bunch of models walk up onto a stage and there's suitcases. um, And each one has a different dollar amount in it and you remove suitcases in different increments. And uh, the shadowy dealer offers the contestant different values of money based on the amounts of uh, money in the suitcases. And that feels to me a lot like some of these dynasty assets early in the in the season. And the biggest riser, the biggest change in that valuation, uh, that suitcase that has jumped up the most is Pukunokua. And before we ready the pitchforks and the torches, yes, I'm fading him, but that's because what is happening right now is unprecedented. So either Puka Nakua is the best wide receiver that has ever played professional football, <laughs> or he's out kicking his coverage right now. He's overproducing.
0: <laughs> or both. It could be both.
1: <laughs> I'm not willing to bet that Puka Nakua is the greatest outlier of all time. And his value has been just skyrocketing. Ryan McDowell put out a poll a few days ago must have been yesterday actually um asking would you prefer puka nakua or cooper cup and puka was oh. winning in a landslide yeah <laughs> yeah <Wow.
0: laughs> i mean that that's a kind of tough one just because of the injury stuff for cooper cup but yeah <laughs> like point taken for sure we we basically just we just uh we just oh op- in the briefcases with a dollar and five dollars and ten dollars like that's essentially what just happened like very low odds of that happening so uh by the way i always liked how howie mandel would answer the phone he would say hello (laughs) as if he doesn't know who it is yeah (laughs) there's only one guy who has this phone number yeah yeah
1: (laughs) And he's like, okay, I'll, I'll tell him. Yeah. Yeah, We got real into that in the depths of like COVID uh, confinement. It's it's just, (laughs) it's addictive anyway. So so Puka, he's a sell to me, not a sell low. Um, Last week I was saying I would probably sell for a second. I'm looking for a first now. And I think in some leagues you can get that done. The other player that I am looking to fade is Russell Wilson. His stats were legitimately good, um, but it took him over time. It took him fluke plays. It it took weird variants for him to ascend. And I am just going to be hesitant to assume that he is now the Russell Wilson of old based on one game. It's possible that he gets it together and that Sean Payton whoops his butt into some kind of viable fantasy shape. I'm not convinced. Color me, color me skeptical so far.
0: I'm with you and Denver Bronco fan here watching every single snap. And I see equal parts, Russell Wilson, you know, 2015, uh, you know, league MVP with the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson, 2022 Denver Broncos with Nathaniel Hackett. Like I, I see some of both there and, more than anything, I see some tendencies that I don't think Sean Payton is going to be willing to continue to uh, to uh, to allow. So, man, like at some point we didn't do it yet, but at some point next week, this week, I think is going to involve Jared Stidham. Yep, um, I would not be surprised if they make a move for him uh, at some point this season. Some players you can buy and hold for for contenders particularly dynasty this is really kind of just in general though this works for redraft as well i've got first of all i'm gonna go with jonathan taylor uh two weeks away from coming back from ir it's a backfield that could really kind of use him especially if gardner Minshew is the quarterback you need some you need a little bit more help Uh, in the backfield, but there are also a lot of teams all of a sudden, again, you know, we talked about Kareem hunt. We talked about, uh, you know, cam Akers. there, there are a lot of teams that could use some running back help. You could do a lot worse than trading for Jonathan Taylor, arguably the best back in the league. And then I've got CJ Stroud, just his second, uh, his second start. And he goes for 384. Uh, Two touchdowns or three touchdowns? I don't remember which. But, I mean, no interceptions, near flawless game. Uh, That's the type of game that you love to see from a rookie quarterback at some point in the season, and he just did it in week two. Like, that's the type of signal game that you want to get, and we just got it. Now he gets the third easiest strength of schedule for the rest of the fantasy football regular season. He's going to help you get to the playoffs. What he's going to do there when the, the schedule tightens up quite a bit uh, remains to be seen, but very, very easy path uh, to the fantasy playoffs with CJ Stroud.
1: Yeah, those are both great ones. I've got two at the very pinnacle of the wide receiver position. And when I was researching for this show, I usually go through uh, the trade finder, right? And I try to find real trades that have happened recently so that I can give you actionable content. My first buy is Jamar Chase. And when I went into the trade finder, there were no trades for the past like 13 days. And so Mm -hmm. this is a big ask um, to, to get Jamar Chase. And I'm not saying he's a buy low. I think there is a tiny sliver of a crack in the door to acquiring Jamar Chase. He's had a tough few weeks in terms of his production. And so the dynasty managers who have him are staring down a injured Joe Burrow and an underproducing elite asset. And so I'm wondering if a Amon ra St. Brown and Puka Nakua type deal where you give a two-for-one might be able to entice the Jamar Chase owner into countering into maybe accepting that deal or formulating something that works better for them. But that's, that's something that I'm looking for right now because those buy windows for elite assets, they're pretty narrow and they rarely happen. I think we have one right now.
0: Love it. Some players you can sell. Uh, I'm just going with Tank Bigsby who, I mean, at this point, he's getting out, out snapped by Dearness Johnson, who I guess could be in next week, this week, but uh, I mean, I think that if Travis Etienne were to get injured, Tank Bigsby probably um, comes back on and takes on a role, um, pretty significant role. But for the time being, with a health, a healthy Travis Etienne, Tank Bigsby's just not even getting on the field.
1: And I found two other running backs that you can probably sell right now as well. One being Kyron Williams. Mm -hmm. He took every single meaningful running back snap uh, last week and he was also on punt returns. He's a small dude. I I am not going to bet that he's going to hold up over the entirety of the season, get your starter two out of him and move him along the line for a second round pick, let's say, and then plug in the next guy. Uh, Same with Raheem Mostert. I think that moving old to young at the running back position is, is certainly an option right now. I wonder if you could do a, Raheem Mostert to a Tyje Spears, let's say, or or one of the other premier backup running backs.
0: Yep. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Um, Another boom game, by the way, that we can uh, um, just kind of capitalize on next year, this year. So kind of rebuilding some players to help you rebuild in those dynasty leagues. Um, and I've got two quarterbacks for you. First of all, back to C.J. Stroud. I think that he helps you contend. He certainly anchors a long-term rebuild for you. And then uh, Sam Howell. Uh, Sam Howell looks like a long-term starter for me. Like the, I, I, I think that we've seen enough in the uh, the audition here in the first two weeks to know that this is a long-term starter. So I think that you can safely. Uh, pick up Sam Howell, trade for Sam Howell, and feel like you've got a quarterback position taken care of for years to come.
1: And if you if you want to move up to the elite of the position, ask what Joe Burrow might might cost. See if you can do an arbitrage where you give one of the other top ten or so quarterbacks and you get something back uh, that you may need in your roster construction. And one tight end, one rookie tight end that has really impressed me is Sam Laporta. He reminds me a heck of a lot of George Kittle, all of the best parts of George Kittle too, um, who I just unabashedly adore. And so I am trading for Sam LaPorta right now uh, in my rebuilding teams, because I think in, in the next 12 months, he's going to be perceived as a top four or five tight end.
0: I like that one a lot. Yeah. Um, Before we, get to some strategy talk. I mean this is kind of strategy, but this is a another uh, segment we're going to mix in every single week. Just some lineup hacks, some defenses to target, defenses to avoid. This is kind of DFS, this is kind of uh, this is this is what I like though personally. This is the type of roster build I like is to have options at every position so that you can consider moving some players in, moving some players out rather than just set it and forget it and it's because if you've got the right players you can really kind of pick on uh, some bad defenses and you can avoid some very good defenses so the number one the 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 number one defense in terms of allowing fantasy scoring to quarterbacks the Indianapolis Colts this week Lamar Jackson who knows how that's going to translate exactly. Uh, but they've been shredded by good passing quarterbacks. And the uh, number two is Carolina Panthers. Um, they get Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks this week. And they cannot stop anybody. At running back, the Chargers, uh, they get Minnesota. uh, Could be a a breakout game for Ty Chandler (laughs) or maybe Alexander Madison can actually move the ball against that chargers defense. that ranks 32nd in the league against the run and the Arizona Cardinals. They get Dallas this week. Tony Pollard monster game coming at wide receiver. The Colts again, they get Baltimore and they can't stop the pass. So big game coming for Zay flowers, Rashad Bateman, What about, oh yeah, Mark Andrews, because the Colts are (laughs) bad against tight ends as well. Uh, The Panthers, yet again, um, they're bad against both quarterbacks and wide receivers. So uh, DK Metcalf, Jackson Smith, Najigba, and Tyler Lockett in for monster games. At tight end, mentioned the Colts um, playing against Mark Andrews. And the Rams, who get Cincinnati and Irv Smith. This week is a Irv Smith is a very sneaky start at tight end some defenses to avoid 49ers uh, against quarterbacks. They get Daniel Jones, um, one of the toughest defenses against quarterbacks against one of the worst quarterbacks on the face of the earth Uh, and the Cleveland Browns uh, who are going to see Ryan Tannehill. So you might want to avoid Ryan Tannehill and Daniel Jones this week. Also want to avoid the running backs for the Arizona Cardinals going up against Dallas and the New York Jets going up against the New England Patriots. Uh, Wide receiver, um, avoid the Buffalo Bills wide receivers. I mean, you're starting Stephon Diggs, but everybody else, keep him on the bench against the Commanders. And then those New England wide receivers against the New York Jets. I know you weren't very excited to start, Kendrick Bourne and anyway so and we already told you to just drop Juju so <laughs> and then a tight end uh the New York Giants avoid Darren Waller against the 49ers this week and avoid man we just keep talking up Zach Ertz but uh he's got the Cowboys this week the second best defense is stopping tight ends So Zach Ertz might be on the bench this week, but he's still a good long-term ad. What do you want to talk about for strategy?
1: Yeah, I was just looking at how the trends are shaping up very early on this season at each of the positions. And I just wanted to, A, highlight that, and then, B, have a discussion after wherever you want to take it. Uh, So at the quarterback position, you remember last year we had three quarterbacks averaging like 26 points a game. And then Joe Burrow was right behind them. So there was an upper crust and then the middle class just kind of sucked. That is not happening this year. The elite quarterbacks um, are not putting up those uh, 26 point performances just yet. And the middle class is performing. So if you're doing an elite QB build, that could be why your team is suffering early on. Um, And so we can talk about if we want to adjust at all to that type of a strategy or what we want to do with this data. Um, At the running back position, scoring is way up. We have elite running back performances happening and the market was devaluing the running back position and maybe rightly so, but those who did invest and are starting um, as many running backs as fit in their, their flex and some of the elite ones at their RB1 spot they're reaping the rewards right now. Um, tight end is still kind of a mess. It's mostly due to the fact that the very elite tight ends were injured. And so that position is still shaping up at wide receiver. We have Jefferson, um, and Tyreek Hill who have just hit in monster ways, but none of the other, uh, consensus top wide receivers have really done a whole lot yet. Um, i Ross St. Brown has done pretty well, but I'm thinking of Jamar chase, AJ Brown, maybe. Um, there's just a, a bit of a wait and see at some of these elite profiles.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, again, Garrett Wilson, uh, being kind of the example of somebody who, I mean, there's kind of nothing left to wait and see at this point. It's just, he's, he's just in a bad situation this year, you know? So you kind of kind of lose another one there. Um, yeah, some injuries starting to get to some guys. Jalen Waddell uh went out with an injury. Like, yeah, there's there's kind of a lot of things keeping that top end from being the top end that it was meant to be. To me, it just kind of reinforces it reinforces quarterback extreme. It reinforces the flywheel, like just all, it, it reinforces uh, you know, the approach to wide receiver. Like you would have been better off so far this year with Nico Collins and Josh Reynolds, than I, you know, like pick your your wide receiver combo that's not named Jefferson or Hill. Like, yeah,
1: AJ Brown, Mar yeah. Chase. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, like I'm not here to try and convince you that you would forever be better off with those two with Nico Collins and Josh Reynolds than AJ Brown and Jamar chase. But I I mean, it's just kind of further evidence that there are a lot of ways to find wide receiver scoring. It doesn't have to be in the early rounds of a startup or of your, you know, just your draft and redraft leagues.
1: Yeah. What it, what it's signaling to me and what I'm going to try to do over the next week is move some of these elite running backs that I do have that are healthy in packages to, move up at the tight end and quarterback position even more. Um, if if I'm getting production from running backs and other people are suffering because they had a Nick Chubb, I'm going to see if they will make a negative EV move. If they will give me their Josh Allen, who hasn't really hit yet. He's not delivering on the promise um, that, that we were all sold this off season. But that feels, I mean, these are very early returns and it's not, entirely predictive yet there's still a lot of noise when when we can't (laughs) we can't predict the josh reynolds you know that's just something that how many people are starting josh reynolds hopefully if you're rostering him you are starting him so it should match roster roster ship but we know that's not true so for me it's just it's telling me to be patient with some of these elite wide receivers if i can Um, it creates a little bit more of an opportunity for me to sell my running backs and to hold my tight ends if i do have a travis kelsey or a mark andrews and hope that i am going to get the elite production that we were assuming when we drafted them or traded uh highly for them and then at quarterback maybe the middle class is returning i think that is possible it was a down year for qbs 5 through 15 last year So it's possible that we lose some of that edge at quarterback this year, which could reinforce your flywheel. And I'm prepared to construct my roster in ways to counter that, right? I'm willing to add a couple of extra lower tier quarterbacks to make your quarterback extreme, not extreme enough. Um, I think that's a, a good counter if the middle class does rise in production and the elite class of quarterbacks does not separate.
0: So that was a little offensive. I was about to just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I was going to say, you know, kind of, uh, you know, back to quarterback extreme, this creates a little bit of an opportunity to get to your still unnamed um, strategy of loading up on those top end quarterbacks. So, I mean, part of the reason for quarterback extreme all along was just the, the ability to really get into the, Quarterback trading market, and when you've got, you know, you've got enough quarterbacks, they're all performing just fine for you. So, you know, you've got even if it's lower end guys like Jimmy Garoppolo and and Ryan Tannehill, you know, Baker Mayfield, all of a sudden looking very good. It it's not that those guys are going to get you an upgrade at quarterback by themselves but they're going to give you just having the ability to move a quarterback to get one in return. You might have the opportunity to get in on some of those by low situations. You know, you mentioned Josh Allen, Joe Burrow is off to a kind of slow start. Like these are players who you might be able to acquire, you know, fairly cheap. Um, And a big part of it is going to start with can you send a quarterback in return? Who's going to keep my, cause you know, I, I had Josh Allen. And so I went and traded for all these big names at wide receiver and running back because I felt like I had a contender that I needed to, to, you know, I needed to build around those, those quarterbacks. And now I'm kind of struggling, even though my wide receivers and my running backs are playing well, my quarterbacks are letting me down. Can you send me somebody who's playing well right now? Baker Mayfield, right? You know, Sam Howell, Jordan Love, that type of guy. Can you send that and uh it, you know, and and um let me get out from under these underperforming players before they completely derail my season? It's kind of an opportunity to get in on that. But it totally. it it just kind of starts with having that, like you you have to have the quarterbacks to trade for quarterbacks.
1: You know, think of the think of the Jimmy Garoppolo as the pen to write the number on the checkbook that you need to spend to get one of these elite quarterbacks. Right. So you pay. I'm not a fan of trade calculators, but you pay whatever the trade calculator value is for Joe Burrow. And then you add in Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, that's that's how you get deals done is not by making a fair deal. But by offering everything they want and Jimmy Garoppolo, so that's that's where I see the value of having those you know QB twenty four to thirty twos, is they just they create a a knock on the door. Um, they don't have value in and of themselves, but they they have the value of starting a conversation.
0: Yep, this also just kind of to me it really kind of uh, it 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 contradicts the idea that late round quarterback. Uh, had died mm-hmm. you know it 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 had been dormant for a year or two but yeah I mean we're we're right back there we're right back to that where you know you're you're no. like Kirk Cousins and Brock Purdy is a good starting combination in a super flex league you don't have to have You didn't have to move up for, you know, the top guys. Now in dynasty, you still wanted to take those quarterbacks early. You still wanted to get those elite guys early, but you know, that was really just kind of to have the runway to get what you needed at quarterback just in general. But now we're kind of, it's, it's like, if you didn't, if you waited on quarterback a little bit, you know, you're, you're probably overperforming right now.
1: And one of the quarterbacks who is just falling like a knife is Justin Fields. And I am not a Justin Fields truther by any stretch of the imagination. I've actually never rostered him. But I'm wondering if his valuation will settle to a point where you could trade CJ Stroud straight up for Justin Fields, because I feel like a value bump is coming um, because right now, just watching the recaps of the games, the the Bears are not using fields like they were last year. He is a drop back passer right now. He is not scrambling. On his one touchdown run, he had a designed rollout to the right, and he was supposed to pass the ball. You could see him visibly shrug. The receiver was open, and he ran it in himself. He was so frustrated with the design of the offense that he had just had enough. He was running the damn ball into the end zone. And I think we're going to reach a breaking point soon where he's just going to have to do what works best for him, regardless of the the scheme of this offense.
0: Yep. This is, we were, so we were talking a little bit about this off air and this, this might even just be a totally separate episode at some point, but Kind of the other thing that's that's coming up for me a little bit is uh, you know with the the lower end quarterbacks playing so well, um, some of those some of these lower end wide receivers as well you know, uh, just the idea that you know going into the season so I get a lot of trade polls before the season even starts that says you know player A or. 2024 first round pick and then in parentheses I'll say likely late (laughs) You know, and like this is this is just a reminder not to do that like don't and and, but I am curious at what point you start to uh, you know project those draft picks a little bit but like it's it's you know it's it kind of starts with the point like it's just a reminder like I said uh not to not to think too much into roster builds before the season starts.
1: So in dynasty, I love to grab the first round pick of the manager who is in the bottom 3 for like 4 years in a row. And unless yeah. it's that guy who has had the 101 for 3 years and foolishly traded it away, I am loath to predict early mid and late because there are some super teams that just fall apart due to injury attrition. And then the middle pack teams, there's so much variance and so much savviness and blunder opportunity with your roster management in season that the team that, you know, may have started out the season as the eighth best team may ascend to the second best team because they're a really good dynasty manager in the moment. And, you know, they took over an orphan, let's say, and they, are savvier than the previous manager and historic indicators aren't reflective of what's going to happen in the future. Or you could have somebody whose team is on the brink and it's fragile and they just, they don't make the moves necessary to keep the ship afloat and it just crumbles mid season and they give up and they aren't doing waivers anymore and they don't respond to trade offers and boom, you've got the one Oh two, like this stuff happens in every single league. I can't tell you how many times I've seen
0: it. What about you? yeah uh yeah absolutely um i like i'm still trying to uh, because i still feel like there is a point in the season where you can start to predict it and um start to project those picks a little bit but man it's like even even now it's it's still pretty tough Mm -hmm. um and, but yeah, I mean, like you said, like the the perfect lineup in August and the perfect lineup in January, I would guess look just completely different. Like that's, yeah. that would be my guess. So, uh, it's certainly trying to do it in August is just kind of, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's just not going to work. But yeah, I mean, you know, kind of to your point, I do think there's those teams that just, mismanage their roster <laughs> enough that you can really just kind of exploit it.
1: I mean Jordan Love is the QB2 through two weeks. Kyron Williams is the R V two. Yep. Raheem Mostert is the R V six. Uh, Who's R V one? Is it Tua? <laughs> uh yeah. Um Pukanakua yeah. is wide receiver two. Mike Evans wide receiver four. Nico Collins wide receiver six. We did not project any of those players to be sniffing anywhere near uh top 12 production at their respective positions none of those players were on our radar really you know speculative ads maybe but that just speaks to the fact that like we're 2 weeks into this thing and it's too small a sample set to draw conclusions but people who had uh Nico Collins starting in their lineup this week they probably beat you
0: yeah <laughs> yep i can attest to that when i was on both sides of that one in various leagues uh i got one of the biggest wins of my entire uh fantasy career this week with uh nico collins and josh reynolds in my lineup and i beat jj zacharyson by uh, about 50 points so that's awesome yeah so uh, yeah uh Uh, I'm going to try not to let that influence my my analysis too much (laughs) but I do feel very very vindicated about my approach our approach to the wide receiver position based on that
1: well yeah I mean Mr. Late Round QB gave up on late round QBs and you picked it up and you just bashed him in week two with that gauntlet so more power to you. (laughs)
0: <laughs> he, in all fairness he still did late round qb he started uh uh jared goff i don't remember who the other one was um may, it might have been sam howell somebody somebody in that range and he still did well he put up a huge number of points i just absolutely nailed my lineup mm-hmm. so um but yeah like yeah it's it late round QB is still a very viable strategy um particularly in one quarterback leagues i think it's the way to go
1: especially and, if you have start tens or more the yeah. deeper the rosters get the less quarterback matters in a one QB
0: oh that makes sense too i hadn't even thought about that but
1: mm-hmm. yeah you just you rely on the difference at the other positions more because the variance is much higher, right? The the production at the very top of the running back position is so much greater, especially this year with this tiny data set that we have. But I'm a little nervous about some of my elite QB builds. Um, Not in dynasty, because I want to have elite quarterbacks year every year, and I don't have to reset uh, the clock at those positions on those teams. But I'm wondering if I may have overestimated the value at the very top in production this year. We're just going to have to wait and see. I'm I'm nervous particularly about Josh Allen. All of the rumors and vibes over there in Buffalo are just kind of odd. It's it's a little bit unsettling um right now as someone who has quite a bit of Josh Allen on their on their teams.
0: Yeah, you know, like after this entire discussion Like, I I do think that we have to point out that it's very possible that the cream rises to the top, particularly Mm -hmm. a quarterback like this. We're talking about a two week sample at this point. It's very possible that by the end of the season, you see some you see some pretty uh, uh, familiar names at the top you know, kind of like the world series of poker. It's the same faces every year. Like it I probably, particularly at quarterback, I think that you're going to start to see that kind of even out over the course of the season, but it's, it's still, to me, it's still important to like, it. it's, it's important to keep that kind of in the back of your mind and uh you know, maybe um, make some moves accordingly. Again, Josh Allen and Joe Burrow are very good by low candidates right at the moment because they're not playing well to start the season, but there's a good chance that they end up at the top by the end of the season. So, you know, there's, there's a definite action item there, but the other thing for us to, to the other action item for us is just to file this away and remember how the first two games of the season looked because what we typically do at the end of the season is look back at total points scored points per game. We don't really think though, about what it looked like to have Josh line, Josh Allen in your lineup the first two weeks of the season, you know, we, we, we forget about that part. So uh, it's, it's important to remember that, um, you know, regardless of how the rest of the season plays out, there were weeks, Where Jordan Love was a better start than, I mean, Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, like Joe Burrow, you know?
1: Yeah, that's super reassuring, to be honest with you. And I guess my final thought would be just keep investing in elite profiles, right? Eventually, it's going to bear out. We had our first week of Kelsey and Andrews. and. God, it was glorious.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. And and that Chiefs offense really needed the boost, too. So, I mean, they still look disjointed, but a little less disjointed with Kelsey back. Get him off of a pitch count. And, I mean, they still need to figure out wide wide receiver. But, like, for the time, there are better days ahead for... Uh, for Mahomes and for that entire offense with Kelsey back. So, man, that's a lot. We actually, like, our strategy session ended up being, like, multiple layers. So, (laughs) As it
1: should be, right? Like, there's a lot to go over right now. There's a lot on our minds as dynasty managers and and redraft managers as well. So it was good to get that off my chest. It felt almost like a therapy session as an elite QB hoarder
0: yeah (laughs) nice yeah yeah i i kind of think that uh by the end of the season you're going to be happy with the the quarterbacks that you have for the most part say i never had a doubt (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) we'll just redact this episode uh so yeah all that information um you mentioned Pierre Strong earlier as, a, as kind of an arbitrage type play for Jerome Ford. Watching this game, watching Pierre Strong get into the end zone, I kind of think it might be a little bit more than that, by the way. Ah, I, uh, I think that he might be next week, this week, and very possibly a little bit of a waiver priority for you. I, mean, I It still seems like Jerome Ford is the early downs lead, the feature back at this point but pierre strong is going to be pretty involved so you might prioritize the, him
1: yeah i don't have the numbers in front of me but it's something like a 13 to 16 percent chance um i think he was drafted in the fourth round fourth round running backs who don't hit their first year have something like a 13 percent chance of hitting in their second year for a top 24 season so not yeah. a bad
0: speculative bet yeah yeah and there's a there's a good opportunity for someone out of that cleveland backfield Rip Nick Chubb. Pretty sure that's an ACL. Pretty sure we lost him for the season. Let's wrap up this episode on that note, I guess. I, I I don't know what else to do now. I already said it. It's already out there. <laughs> this is That's how we're ending this episode. Nick Chubb's ACL. Uh, so But yeah, plenty of information for you. All that's left for you to do is go and execute on the standard operating procedures. Let's wrap this one up. For the week. And as we do that, ask you for a quick favor. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can also subscribe to the DLF family of Podcasts mega feed and get access to all the great podcasts from dynastyleaguefootball.com. And then if you would rate and review the super show, uh, it really helps us to get out to more people, involve more people in the conversation and really drill down to the topics that are the most useful to you, our Super Friends. You can get at us on Twitter. He's at FFTommyB. I'm at Dude. This episode was dedicated in loving memory to James the Brain Cthulhu. Thank you to DynastyLeagueFootball.com for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. And above all else, thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Yeah,